0: Well, this morning I'm going to be speaking on this subject. What's so good about giving up and giving your life to God? What's good about giving up and giving your life to God? Now, we're going to read from the 19th chapter of the book of Exodus. For those of you who are guests, we're on a journey through the book of Exodus. For those of you who've been here every week and know we're on a journey through the book of Exodus, you may say, Brother Tom, what about that great chapter, 18, that has a lot to do with Jethro and Moses? And if you'll go back several weeks ago, prior to the beginning of our study, I preached from that chapter on how to be a good in-law. And uh, that will be included in the tape-cassette series, but I will not preach on that chapter again now in this particular series. What's good about giving up and giving your life to God? The children of Israel have come now to one of the most significant places geographically in their history. They have come to Mount Sinai, or Mount Horeb is another name for that. It's especially significant to Moses because it was there at Sinai that Moses first met the Lord. It was there that God spoke to him out of the burning bush and commissioned him to go back to Egypt and to be the man who would lead the deliverance of the children of Israel from the bondage and from the slavery of Egypt. Now, he has been with the children of Israel in the wilderness now some three months. They're back at Sinai. And we're going to see this morning that God wants Israel to reflect upon what has happened to them. There came a moment when they just gave up and they gave over to God. They said, all right, Lord, we want your will in our lives. And so that's the subject this morning. What's good about giving up and giving your life to God? I'm going to ask you to read aloud the text with me. It'll be on the screen there. Verse 4 of Exodus chapter 19. And let's read these verses, uh, this verse aloud, shall we? You have seen what I did unto the Egyptians, and how I bear you on eagles' wings, and brought you unto myself. Let's read it aloud again together. You have seen what I did unto the Egyptians, and how I bear you on eagles' wings, and brought you unto myself. Father in heaven, I pray with faith this morning that your Holy Spirit not only is here magnifying Christ to us, but convincing us, convicting us of sin and of righteousness and judgment to come. Thank you, Lord, for the privilege you have given us of worship. And thank you, Heavenly Father, now for the privilege of opening your word and discovering that in it there is life. And, Father, I pray that before any of us leaves this morning that we will have surrendered to you and that you will have changed our lives so that we will be different men and women when we leave this place than we are just now. And I pray these things in the wonderful matchless and saving name of Jesus. Amen. Thank you. Be seated, please. Keep your Bible open as we think together about this subject. What's good about giving up and giving your life to God? I was sitting with a man in his office. I was there at his request. I don't think I had ever seen a more forlorn-looking individual in my life. And what was amazing to me about this was that this man was normally a very happy kind of upbeat kind of guy, and he was a successful businessman. His uh, family loved him. He loved his family. I didn't know anything in his life but good, to be perfectly frank. And so as we sat there, he looked at me across his desk and he said, Preacher, he said, I'm in a mess. And as we talked together, it was obvious to me that there wasn't anything big and ugly and immoral going on in his life at that moment. I said, What do you mean you're in a mess? And he said, Well, Brother Tom, he said, You know, I've been a member of our church for a long, long time. He said, as a matter of fact, I was a member of this church before you came to be a part of this church. But he said, God has been convicting me of something recently, and he said, "He's used several things to bring me this conviction. He said, God has been convicting me that in spite of all of my religion, I have never really, truly repented of sin, just given up trying to live my life my way and trusted in Jesus as my savior his confession was like the confession of a lot of people here this morning you say that's my testimony i came to that moment when i finally realized that as good as i thought i was and as hard as i was trying to be religious to be rel- to be right with god to be to be an honorable person that my life was not really changed and here's what he said to me he said preacher he said i guess i've come to the point where i'm just ready to give up And I said, uh, give up on what? He said, not give up on God and not give up on my family, not give up on church, not give up on any of the things that are right and good and true and pure. He said, that's not what I want to give up on. He said, I'm just tired of trying to live a Christian life without being a Christian. He said, I am tired of being a slave to sin. Now, listen carefully. Don't let anything disturb you. I'm tired, he said, of being a slave to sin when other people have no idea what's going on in my life. He said, if other people, he said, if including my own family, he said, if they knew what was going on in my thoughts, if they knew the things that really held me captive, he said, they would be absolutely shocked. And he said, I'm not being unfaithful now. He said, he said, but preacher, you have no idea what's going on in my life. I'm tired, and I think I'm just ready to give up. And I said, give up and do what? He said, just give up and do it God's way for the first time in my life. And there in that office, that man got from around behind his desk. He knelt down. And he said, uh, preacher, he said, I want to pray, and I want to repent of my sin and trust in Jesus as my Savior. Now, what's good about giving up? We have a society that emphasizes you can do it, you can make it, you can succeed. Just, you know, just bow your neck and grit your teeth and make up your mind you're going to be right and true and good and pure. You can do it. What's good about giving up and giving your life to God? I want to remind you that the children of Israel's story, and it's an actual occurrence in actual history, their story, the story of their pilgrimage is a picture to every one of us here this morning of our own spiritual pilgrimage. They were in bondage and in slavery to the Egyptian government. And we, of course, are in bondage and in slavery to sin. God came and delivered them. By the way, the way that he delivered them, you remember that picture? By the application of the blood of the lamb over the doorpost and down the side of each of those doors. And when God passed through the land, although in the homes of the Egyptians, their captors, there was death, in the homes of these captives, because God saw the blood, he said, I will pass over you, that which they celebrate with the Passover feast every year. I will not impute the sentence of death to your home. And so just like they were delivered by the application of the blood, so we are delivered when Jesus Christ, who shed his blood on the cross of Calvary for us, comes into our hearts to be our Savior and the Lord of our lives. And there came that moment when they crossed over the Red Sea, and God said to the children of Israel, he said, you will not see these Egyptians, your captors, again. And there comes a moment in the life of a believer when we were trusting Jesus as our Savior, when sin no longer has dominion over us, and we're going to see that. Now, God has brought the children of Israel on their pilgrimage three months into the peninsula, Sinai Peninsula. He's brought them to the mountain of Sinai. Sometimes in the Bible, that's called Mount Horeb. And as I said a few moments ago, this was an incredibly uh, um, momentous time for, for Moses because it was there that God had called him to be their deliverer. And so Moses goes up on the mount, and tonight we're going to look at how to start something big for God how to start something big, and we'll see. Moses goes up on the mountain. God begins speaking to Moses there on the mountain. And the first thing that God says to Moses are these words which we read a few moments ago. You've seen what I did unto the Egyptians, how I bore you on eagles' wings, and how I brought you unto myself. Now, what's so good about just giving up and giving your life to God? Suppose this morning you're seated here in this auditorium. And you say, you know, preacher, when you were telling about that man, that man's story is my story. I've been struggling. I've been fighting it. I've done as good a job as I know to live the Christian life. But in my heart, I know I'm still a slave to sin. How can I receive cleansing? How can I receive forgiveness? How can I really be set free? Well, you're going to see there's something good about giving up. And giving your life to God. Let's look at it and we find all these truths right here in just this one verse We're going to massage it squeeze it We're going to try to get everything God has for us out of this one verse first of all when you just give up and give your life to God when you repent of sin and Trust in Jesus as your Savior you are set free from the dominion of sin you are set free From the dominion of sin. He says here, You see what I did to the Egyptians. Now, that doesn't require a great deal of explanation, but I want to remind you, you know your history. I want to remind you that there came a time when the Egyptian army came out after the children of Israel. They were determined that they were going to get back into slavery, these people that God had set free. And you remember what happened at that incredible moment when the waters parted, the children of Israel walked across as on dry ground, and then the Egyptian army, chasing after them, got into the middle of the Red Sea, and then the waters closed on top of the army, and they drowned, and God said, "'You will not see their face again.'" Now, when you receive Jesus Christ as your Savior, you are set free from the dominion of sin. Now, let me explain that. Until you trust in Christ as your Savior, you are like every individual, dead, the Bible says, in trespasses and sins. What does that mean? It means that the nature, the true nature of your life is sin nature. The Bible says all of us have sinned and come short of the glory of God. The Bible says there is none righteous, no, not one. The Bible says all we like sheep have gone astray. We've turned everyone to our own way. And so we are by our very nature, we are sinners. Sin is our character. But when Jesus Christ comes into our heart, he sets us free from the dominion, from the rule of sin. Now, I'm going to explain this with a picture in just a few moments. But I want you to know, and we're going to look at a passage of Scripture that will explain this to you. I want you to know that when Christ comes into your heart, He sets you free, first of all, from the power of sin... Then he sets you free from the penalty of sin. You won't die and go to hell. And then he makes it possible for you to live a life free from the practice of sin. You see, up until you come to know Christ as your Savior, up until you're saved, we use that word, you are by nature a sinner and everything that you do is in sin. But now sin is no longer your character. If you sin, it becomes a matter of choice. And you do not have to choose to sin any longer. Turn with me, if you will, please, to the sixth chapter of the book of Romans, Romans chapter 6. Now, that's over in the New Testament. For those of you who are brand new believers in Christ, that's over in the New Testament, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts, Romans, all right? And turn with me to chapter 6 in the book of Romans. Now, I want to read to you this passage of Scripture, verse 11, Romans chapter 6. Likewise, reckon you also yourselves to be dead indeed unto sin, but alive unto God through Jesus Christ our Lord. Let not sin, therefore, reign in your mortal body. He says sin had to reign before you trusted in Christ. You were sold under sin. But he said sin no longer needs to reign in your mortal body that you should obey it in the lust thereof. In fact, he says, verse 13, don't yield your members, that's the your your actual body, as instruments of unrighteousness unto sin. But yield yourselves unto God as those who are alive from the dead and your members as instruments of righteousness unto God. For sin shall not have dominion over you, for you're not under law but under grace. I know that probably everyone here, at least once in your life, can recall seeing that old black-and-white sitcom starring Gomer Pyle and featuring Sergeant Carter. Now, if you've never seen that, would you raise your hand? And we'll take you immediately to the vestibule and show you. I can't believe it, there sure are. You probably never heard of eight tracks or records, did you? Yeah, I I can figure that. All right, now, you remember the sitcom. I think you do anyway. Gomer Pyle, you know, Private Pyle is in the, is in the Army. Sergeant Carter is a drill sergeant. Every time Sergeant Carter yells frog, Gomer jumps. And every time Sergeant Carter yells jump, Gomer Pyle says, how high? I mean, he is literally, legally bound to do that in the military. Now, just imagine with me for a few moments that uh, that is a real situation. And Some of you say, hey, preacher, that is a real situation. If you'd been in my unit and you knew how people talk to me, you'd know what a real situation that is. Well, just suppose for a few minutes that's a real situation. And suppose that Gomer Pyle and Sergeant Carter muster out of the army on the same day. And let's suppose for some absurd reason that these two men decide to go into business together. A partnership. Well, you know what's gonna happen. It's not gonna be very long before Sergeant Carter is gonna be yelling all the orders and Gomer Pyle is gonna be doing all the legwork, right? I mean, that's just the way they've lived for four years. That's the way it's going to be. But imagine with me for a moment that Gomer Pyle goes out underneath a tree after a particularly harrowing day. He's worn out, he's obeyed all the orders that Sergeant Carter has given him, and all of a sudden the light comes on in his brain. And he says to himself, wait a minute, wait a minute. I'm not still in that man's army. When I was in the army, I was legally bound to do everything Sergeant Carter said I was to do. But I'm not in that army anymore. I'm not Private Pyle. He's not Sergeant Carter. I don't have to obey him anymore. I've been set free from that. Now listen. Listen. Don't let your mind stray away from this illustration. That is exactly the way it is with every one of us who are believers in Christ. Until we come to know Jesus as our Savior, who calls the shots in our life? Sin calls the shots in our life. We are sold under sin. We are in the bondage of sin. And you hear people saying things like this, well, I can't help it. I've tried over and over and over again. I can't change. I can't do this. Uh preacher, I want to be different, but I can't be different. Why? Because your soul under sin. You are in the bondage of sin. But when Jesus Christ died on the cross, He died to pay for your sin. He bought you off of the slave block of sin. He set you free from the dominion of sin. And that's why Paul says sin now has no more dominion over you. So whereas before you trusted in Jesus as your Savior, you had to sin. It was your character. After you trusted Jesus as your Savior, if you sin, it becomes your choice. So look at this truth and write it down someplace. Moment by moment, moment by moment, now you can choose to yield yourself to the Savior rather than to sin. You don't have to live a life of sin. You don't have to be out of fellowship with God. You have been set free from the dominion of sin. That's one, just one, of the good things that will happen in your life when you give up and give yourself to God. Now, let's look at another. Your life's opportunities, your life's opportunities, or life's obstacles, I should say, or problems, become opportunities to grow in your faith. Life's problems become opportunities to grow in your faith. Notice this little sentence, I bear you on eagles wings now what in the world does that mean turn with me to the book of deuteronomy exodus leviticus numbers deuteronomy the book of deuteronomy and let's look at an interesting verse of scripture in deuteronomy chapter 32 and i want to read to you verse 11 and then verse 12. here's an explanation of that statement how i bear you on eagles' wings. He says, As an eagle stirs up her nest, flutters over her young, spreads abroad her wings, and takes them, bears them on her wings, so the Lord alone did lead him. That is Israel. And there was no strange God with him. Now listen. Did you know there comes a moment in the life of a little eaglet when that eaglet could well conclude that its mother did not love him any longer. And it's that moment when that eaglet has grown up in the nest to the extent that he, he could, if he would, begin to fly. But life is wonderful in that nest. I mean, just think of it, in that nest, mom feeds it. In that nest, dad goes off, comes back. Mom goes off, comes back, brings something, whatever it is that eagles like to eat. I don't want to think about it. If it gets cold, well, the eagle's there, you know, and, and, and mom and dad are there. There's protection, there's comfort, you know. But after a while, that, that little eaglet begins to grow and becomes big enough that, that it, he should be out on his own. But it's just not his nature. It's just not something that the eagle wants to do. That is to get out on his own. And so what does that eagle, eagle's parents do? That, that mother, for instance, begins, the Scripture says, to stir up the nest, to stir up the nest. The, the nest ceases becoming a real comfortable place to stay. I mean, it's obvious mom's about something here. I mean, this was a wonderful place to be yesterday, but today this nest is being stirred up. And then she flutters her wings and, and it begins to urge this eaglet to get out. And this eaglet hops up on the edge of the nest and, boy, this is new territory, but then looks down there thousands of feet. How in the world could I do that? And with this stirring and this, this, this fluttering of the wings, suddenly that little eaglet finds himself out in midair. What in the world can he do in midair? And suddenly that little eaglet's mom's wings are underneath him or dad's wings are underneath him. And he begins to soar he's doing something he's never ever done before and never would have done unless first of all the nest had become an uncomfortable place for him did you know that the lord because he loves us is constantly bringing us to moments in our life when life is uncomfortable I'm sure that this morning there are people in this auditorium, people watching on television, people listening on the radio who could identify with this. You would say you're at a point in your life when nothing's going right. Everything seems to be going wrong. What can you do? How can you proceed? I mean, life, it was so good at one time, is so miserable for you now. Do you know what's happening? God's just saying to you, listen, this problem is an opportunity for you to grow up. This problem is an opportunity for you to move on in your faith. This problem is an opportunity for you to discover how reliable I am and how if you will just simply take that step of faith, I will carry you. Now think about this. Has it occurred to you that the children of Israel hated being in bondage and in slavery and in in Egypt? And yet when Moses came down to deliver them, they still thought, listen, you know, we don't, we don't particularly relish this idea of, of leaving our home. This is a pretty nice place. I mean, we got pretty good food. It's not the best, even though we are slaves to the Egyptians. And do you recall what happened? Do you recall that God had to make the nest of Egypt an untenable place for the children of Israel so that in their hearts they would be willing to take that next step? In their hearts they would be willing to take that leap of faith and go out with God. Now, one of the things you're going to discover when you just give up and you trust God as your Savior, you just give your life to Him, you'll discover that your life's problems then will become opportunities for you to grow in your faith. Now, here's a truth that I hope you'll you'll remember. Did you know that in every distressing situation, God will make it possible for you to see the potential to mature in your faith? In every distressing situation, God will make it possible for you to see, this is an opportunity. I have potential here to grow up in my faith. And that becomes so important because the Bible says, without faith, it's impossible to please God. Hebrews 11:6 First uh, Corinthians 14:23 says that whatsoever is not of faith is sin. And so God wants you to become a person who expresses faith, and one of the ways he does that is by letting you and me walk through the problems of life, and in every problem, there's a potential to grow. I was sitting with a reporter in my uh, office this past Friday morning, and if you think this little black eye looks bad now, you should have seen it then. Uh, that, was, uh, uh, that was right afterwards, and he thought that was very interesting, and he had the television cameras grinding away, but he wanted to talk about the tornado, and, and um I said to him, I said, you know, I want to tell you something that I have said to so many people. The reason folks are up and on their feet and loving God and serving him and have a smile on their face, even though many have lost everything they possessed in an earthly sense, is not because they believe in a big government, but because they have learned to believe in a big God. And I want you to know that we learn how to believe in a big God by what? By going through problems where only God can help us. And so he says here, Look, I took you out on eagle's wings. I made your nest an uncomfortable place. You took the leap of faith. You wondered what was going to happen. You discovered I can trust God in the big things as well as in the little things. Now, that's something good about giving up and giving your life to God. Let's look at another thing. God will immediately begin to make you more like Jesus. When you trust in Jesus as your Savior... You give your life to him. You know what he's going to do? He's going to start making you more like Jesus. That's exactly right. Did you know that God has one agenda for your life? Now, his order of worship is different. I mean, the the, the way that he deals with you is a little bit different. But he has one thing in mind with you and with me. And that is, according to Romans 8, 29, to conform us to the image of his dear son. God is at work making us like Jesus. The Bible says, in fact, let the outworking of your salvation be with fear and trembling. In other words, said, be careful how you live. For it is God who works within us, listen to this now, both to will and to do of his good pleasure. He said he's going to give you the desire to do what's right and he's going to give you the ability to do what's right but he is making us more like Jesus. Now, some of us, I confess with me, he's got a long way to go, doesn't he? But that's his purpose. That's his agenda. Now, you say, what what significance is that? Now, I want you to notice here, the last statement in this one verse, he says, you notice, he says, what I was doing in all this, by closing the door on the Egyptians so that they would never hound you again, you were set free from the dominion and the captivity of Egypt. And by bringing you, he says, you know, bringing you to this moment of faith where you would trust me, I bore you on eagle's wings. He said, you know why I was doing that? Listen. He said, I was doing that to bring you to myself. He says, and I brought you unto myself. He said, that's the whole purpose in this, to bring you unto myself, to make you more like Jesus. He said, preacher, what difference will that make, you know, if I become more Christ-like other than the personal benefits. Well, let's just think about it in these terms. I was visiting with a lady one time whose husband was very, 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 very verbally abusive. He never hit her. He never struck her, not once. In fact, she told me flat out, she said he would never do a thing like that. But she said, I am so beaten down. She said... He has lacerated me with His tongue. She said, He cuts me into ribbons with His tongue. He is so verbally abusive. And you know, sometimes words can hurt more than shots can. The blow of words can be... As some of you here this morning, you're steered by words, little words that were spoken to you years and miles away, and yet right now some of the things you do or do not do in your life are, be, are an attempt to, to, to somehow... Get along with that statement. You'll never be. You'll always. Why can't you ever? You always make me. I mean, these words have just cut you to pieces. And she said, he's like that. And she said, I, just, I tell you what, I wish he had, I she said, I wish someday he would walk in that door and find Jesus sitting there, and boy, I'd, I'd just like to see what Jesus said to him. She was surprised at what I said next. I said, that could happen today. No, she said, you don't mean, you don't understand. She said, Jesus, he was quick on his feet. She said, I know, I've read in the Bible where Jesus talked to the scribes and the Pharisees, and he didn't let these things slide, but she says, he always got the heart of the problem and always solved it. She said, I just wish he could be there to talk to my husband. I said, oh, he can be. She said, Preacher, I don't understand. I says, if you just let him fill your life, when your husband opened the door, he'd be face-to-face with Jesus. You said, you don't, she said, you don't really mean that, do you? I said, I really mean that. Because, you see, that's what it's all about. God is at work making us more like Jesus so that more and more when we encounter people and people encounter us, they don't see us, but they really see the Jesus who has come to dwell inside us, who has come to live within us. And so everything that God is doing, He's doing to bring us unto Himself. Notice He says there, and I brought you unto Myself. I sit out there in the wilderness. Now I've got you. Now let's start growing. I've got so much to teach you. There's so much for us to do. In fact, you're not going to get out of this wilderness for 40 years. You're going to discover some things about yourself and some things about me before you ever are capable of going in and possessing Canaan. But I have brought you unto myself and one of the good things about giving up and giving your life to god is that he immediately begins to make you more like jesus write this down someplace god's single purpose in all that he does is to make you more like christ why don't you cooperate with him god's single purpose in all that he does is to make you more like Christ. It sounds like weakness to say I'm giving up and giving my life to God. It sounds like uh, failure. It sounds like resignation of the worst sort. But the reality is the wisest decision you will ever make in your life is to give up and to give your life. To God. Father in heaven, in these few moments, I pray that you will have used your word and that your Holy Spirit will have moved in our midst and that, Lord, you will find us all eager to say yes to you. Lord, there are those here this morning who do not know the wonderful joy of eternal life. There are those here who do not know the wonderful victory that they can have over sin, over self, and over Satan. They do not know what it's like to be set free from the dominion of sin. They do not know what it's like to be conformed to your image, to grow in their faith. And, Father, I pray this morning that at invitation time, each person in this auditorium who feels, look, I should give up. I need to give my life to God. Father, I pray you would give them boldness. I pray you would give them decisiveness. I pray that this morning would be a morning of victory for them. And I pray it in Jesus' name. Would you keep your head bowed just for a moment? Heads are bowed, eyes are closed. In just a few moments, we're going to stand together. Our choir is going to help us as they lead us in singing a hymn of invitation. And I want to tell you, this invitation is from God to you. Now, I'm going to try to verbalize it. But I believe that in 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 some instances, God's speaking stronger. You hear what God's saying more clearly than you hear my voice. And you're saying this morning, I want to give up. I want to give my life to God. Preacher, that's exactly what I want to do. You see, Jesus died on the cross to pay for your sins. Jesus has risen from the grave. He is alive today. And he says this morning, if you will repent of sin and trust him as your Savior, he'll forgive you, he will cleanse you, he will give you peace, he will give you purpose, he will set you free from the dominion of sin. And on top of that, when this life ends, you get to spend your forever with him in heaven and he says, "You can settle that this morning, if you just give up this morning and give your life to the Lord." Would you do this this morning? When we stand in a few moments, I'm going to lead us in prayer. I'm going to say "Amen" at the close of that prayer. The choir is going to begin leading us in singing. I want to ask you, as a part of standing, just to step to the aisle before this preacher even begins praying. Just before I even say "Amen," you just step to the aisle, and make your way forward. Our counselors will be here at the front. And just come tell one of these counselors, look, I want to trust in Jesus this morning. I want to trust in Jesus this morning. I would urge you to make that decision this morning. You can just give up, give your life to God. You can begin to experience all these things that you've heard about this morning. I want to trust in Jesus this morning. Would you say that this morning? Now Others will be coming. I'm going to ask those who've made decisions in recent weeks, such as those who were baptized earlier and haven't been introduced to your church family, I'm going to ask you to come and be seated down here at the front to your right where it says seating for new members. I believe there are people in this auditorium to whom the Lord is speaking about joining this church. Well, I'm going to ask you to come. Your coming will encourage someone else to come. Did you know that? And you're already a believer in Christ, and God said this is where you belong. Well, come find one of these counselors here at the front and say, look, we're coming. I'm coming to join this church. we will plant my life here. That's what we want to do. Prayer warriors will be coming this morning, and they'll be kneeling here. Others will be coming. You may want to come and kneel here at this altar. Maybe you've made a decision for Christ. You've never followed him in baptism, and that's a decision that you want to make this morning. Well, you see, dear friend, this is your personal invitation to say yes to what God is speaking to your heart. Would you stand, heads are bowed and eyes are closed. In your heart, would you say, Dear Lord, I want to do your will in these next few moments. And, Lord, I want to say yes to you. And Lord, as soon as that preacher stops talking and that choir begins singing, I'm going to go to that altar and open my life to you. Would you just say that in your heart? Father in heaven, I pray, trusting your Holy Spirit to be at work in our midst this morning. Lord, bring to this altar everyone who will say yes to you. And I pray it in Jesus' wonderful and matchless saving name.